0: Thank you so much for joining the Jen Churchwa podcast. We are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. This month, we are taking a small break from our Masterclass series. We hope you've been enjoying that. We'll pick that back up in January. For the next four weeks, we will be orienting ourselves around Jesus through Advent. So over the next four weeks, you'll hear us talk about hope, love, joy, and peace. And maybe you are like me, who never heard of Advent growing up. I'm so excited to share this liturgical, historical practice with you. And don't forget, we have a lot of activities coming up around Generation Church that we would love for you to be a part of. Head over to our website, mygenerations.church, to sign up and see those events. We hope that you enjoy today's teaching.
1: Uh, Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah fifty four through 7. Listen now for the word of the Lord. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to speak sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me with each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord of God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who tore, off, or tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. The Lord God will help me. Therefore, I have not been humiliate, humiliated Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. For the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Meditation on joy. Joy is not the passing delight that arises from happy events in our day. It is a profound emotion that bubbles up from deep in our hearts. Joy isn't dependent on our circumstances. It's a response that comes from knowing good things are coming. Joy comes out of a sense of anticipation. It comes from trusting in our faithfulness of God, believing that God loves us fully and cares for us completely, however challenging our individual circumstances may be. Joy springs from hope and flows out of peace to sustain a a weary world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. So today we relight the candles of hope, Peace would be the next one. And then we're going to light the candle of joy, the pink one. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for this time that we have to spend with our friends and our family. Uh, We thank you for The joy that you give us in this trying world, Father, um, we rely on you completely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Life, life is a number. Life is like a knife fight in the mud. Poignant or crude. Life is like walking on a windy ridge on a raining day, knowing that the wrong step in either direction, can take you tumbling down to almost certain death. So you keep up your eyes up on the sun, peeking through the clouds on the horizon, wanting to be at that place of beauty, but you are painfully aware that you have no ability to get up there or out there on your own. One wrong step, and you tumble over the edge. Poetic or problematic? Life is like driving on a major road with multiple lanes. Your whole goal is just to get to your destination safe, so you stay in your lane, painfully aware of the other drivers around you. Your source of comfort is having all the right tools and comforts inside the car. The navigation, the heated seats, the right temperature dial, maybe that little black thing that goes up that divides the front from the back so you can't quite hear your kids. While the outside seems so threatening, chances are you have some voice in your heart or your home or even your hand that tells you a story about what life is like. And maybe one of those metaphors stood out to you and you felt that deeply, or maybe You didn't quite have the right words for a metaphor like that, but you feel it in such a way that you just try to get through the day or navigate life, maybe just feeling like a number or a knife fight in that mud or being on a windy ridge where one wrong step can do you in or just trying to make it to your destination safe so you stay in your lane and you stay out of the way of others. The biblical story doesn't hide the reality of perspectives such as these. In fact, the scriptures show us how we can either navigate the seeming reality or get a perspective on life in the midst of these circumstances. The scriptures describe a living creator God who does not leave it to ourselves to make it up as we go, nor provide such rigid boundaries that do not account for life's complexities, an invariable change. One such example is found in the book called Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament. And Isaiah was a person who spoke to a group of people on behalf of God, and his words were written down and then passed down. His role was to speak to a people who had received God's word and his way and were asked to live that out within the world. But this group of people who had received this had rejected it. And Isaiah was tasked with sharing God's word and God's way with them once again. And that they had to face this harsh reality as they heard the words of Isaiah. As they heard words of hope, words of judgment, words of peace, words of supposed joy. And so, this people, as they heard these words from Isaiah, would they live life as if it was a knife fight in the mud or a balancing act on a windy ridge? See, at this point in their history, when Isaiah speaks these words to them, they had just been freed from captivity. And rather than joy because of the freedom, because of the fulfilled promises of God, they complained. They were upset. They were angry that things weren't ideal. And so this morning I have one point and one point only, and then I'm going to get out your way. (laughs) Even favorable circumstances do not automatically produce joy. Joy is an attitude you stoke Based on God's promises. Joy isn't a light switch that's turned off or on. Joy is a flame that gets lit in your soul. By the creator God who steps in and says you are loved. You are valuable. You are worthy. You are enough because I am enough. And I love and care for you. And I have a promise for you. But as that flame it's lit in our soul. We must stoke. We must fan that flame to make it grow. Joy can often be confused for happiness, like a candle in a lit room of fluorescent lights. The moment the lights get turned off, even the smallest amount of joy can be seen. You do not light the candle of joy in your soul. It is something God lights within you. It's a profound sense of satisfaction and happiness. The Israelites neglected their flame. And so what God had to take them through, what he took them through and tried to show them was that even in the midst of bleak circumstances, the joy that comes from the promises of God can still be found, can still be shared. They had neglected their flame. Therefore, Isaiah shares about a suffering servant leader. This was a leader who was going to be raised up like Moses to lead to bring freedom and prompt response in song. And here again, we hear the first person account about this servant in Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me a tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me each morning. He wakens my ear to listen to those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear and I will not, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. The Lord God will help me. therefore I have not been humiliated. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. I know I will not be put to shame. The one who vindicates me is near. The one who will contend with me. Let us confront each other. Who has a case against me? Let him come near to me. In truth, the Lord God will help me. Who will condemn me? Indeed, all of them will wear out like a garment. A moth will devour them. Who among you fears the Lord and listens to a servant? Who among you walks in darkness and has no Light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him lean on his God. Look to all of you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with torches. Walk in the light of your fire and of the torches you have lit. This is what you'll get from my hand. You will lie down in a place of torment. The servant speaks. And he says, the word that I will bring will be a word of perspective, and real word that comforts the weary. The servant will respond to God continually in ways that Israel didn't, in ways they refused. When God shows up and says, "I am doing something," listen to me. Israel often refused. Instead, this servant says, "I will do." what you could not and what you would not. The servant would listen to God, meaning the point is that the servant of the Lord is a sage, a well-schooled in the ways of God, responding to him step for step in the way that God would have, living out his way and his word within the world. See, the servant is not just loving. He is also competent. The servant gives a word precisely what they would need. This servant can give you a word precisely for what you need. When you are weary and worn out, God can light a flame in your soul. Say, You are not alone. I am here. I know you are tired. I know you feel like you're on that windy ridge or just trying to stay in your lane and not get into a wreck. I know that you feel like you've just got to fight for every inch. And you're tired. And you wonder, should I give up? Should I keep going? And into that weariness, the Lord can speak a word. And he speaks a word, not of distance or of standard that says, get to this place, he speaks a word of comfort that says, I have been there. He gets down in the mud. He jumps up on that ridge and says, hey, I'll get you off of it, and I will walk that for you. And to stoke that flame of joy, we must listen to the word of the servant. See, the servant shares an action That he endures similar pain in life that we endure. In fact, he goes further than that. He lays down his life. He is tormented. He's afflicted. And, And instead of running away from the pain, he turns his back and says, hit me here. God, I give myself to you. I give myself for these people. He doesn't run and hide. He opens himself up to pain and suffering. And this is shocking. that the servant willingly enters into a space of suffering when so often we want to run from it, we can be thankful and grateful that God did not run from us in our pain or in our torment. But he runs towards us and towards that suffering. The servant works in giving up himself for others. And we must take our cue from that servant. So we are to be people like the servant. Who take our cue from him and say, we are to be like that. To be God's representation in the world. To live that out. To stoke the flame of joy in our hearts. We enter into the work of the servant with the servant. To give of ourselves for others. To say, not more of me, but less of me, but more of me is surrendered for you. We risk, we give ourselves, we sacrifice. Time, energy, You, you enter into awkwardness. You're willing to get a little uncomfortable. You move from the perspective of saying, I'm just going to stay in my lane and play it safe to say, how can I Get in that car with someone else and ride with them through the journey we call life. You enter and you move towards people when it's uncomfortable, when it's difficult. And we can do that. Not because we are better or smarter or gooder. (laughs) We can do that because the servant is good because the servant shows us what it is like because he walks the path before us and we can walk in his footsteps. We can respond to him. I always think about as we enter into the work of the servant, it doesn't snow here very often, but I think of the snowstorms back in Ohio. When I grew up and, and as a kid and you'd have to go to the barn to do chores or you'd have to go out and about. One of the, the best images that I can think of is how we enter into the work of the servant. Is when my parents would go out into the snow before me and they would put those footprints out. that Inches and inches of snow. They would trudge through to the barn in advance. And all I had to do as a little kid was kind of hop from footprint to footprint, just so I wouldn't get lost in a drift. The same thing is true for us. The servant has gone before us. The servant has showed us what it's looked like to respond to God within the world. And all we simply have to do is say yes and follow him and kind of jump to his footprint to the next, to respond, to say yes and to allow that joy, that flame to know that he has gone before us, that he has provided a way. I think of an example that so many of, of you have talked about in the coming week is Sanas Posse, is partnering with a work that is already happening in the community. And we don't have to create that as the church. Rather, we can enter into it as a servant and being a blessing. And when people ask us why, isn't the church supposed to to grow and be bigger and better and create your own programs and do your own good? And to that we would say, yes, we want to do good. But we can also recognize where God is already at work and step into that work And when people ask us why, we don't say because we're just trying to be good or we're just trying to be better. Our reasoning can simply be because of Jesus. He gives us the joy, the pleasure to serve in our community. And in this, as we look to the servant, the servant outlasts and overcomes evil. See, when you walk in the light, you create. You have little ability to control where the flame, what the flame does and where it goes. When you walk by the light of God, He's in control. And you want to stay in that light. You want to stay in that path. You want to respond to Him wherever He has placed you. For He is at work and He brings the light, He is the best light bringer. And what the reality that Isaiah says in verse 11 is he says, when you try to create a light for yourself, it will always extinguish. It will always burn out. It will always lead to torment. Rather than live by the light that you create, live by the light that he brings. For he is in control and he can go and goes before us and does things and extinguishes darkness goes to places where we dare not tread, but we can go because he takes light there. Therefore, the servant instructs those who trust in God to lean on him, to put some weight behind their decision. takes them beyond the point of no return. The classic image of that Indiana Jones movie where there's that invisible bridge and he's got to step off the edge and trust that something is there. The hope that we have is that as we live, as we walk, that if we are in the light and are simply responding to Jesus wherever he has placed us. That we can put our full weight and confidence that where we step, there will be something there to catch us. That we will not fall into the abyss. And what's so amazing is as Isaiah shares these words, as he talks about how this servant is going to share this work, and, and he talks about the responses to this, he comes to a conclusion in Isaiah 51 verse 11. And this is what he says to those who respond to the words of the servant and join the work and the waiting of the servant. And he says, And the redeemed of the Lord will return, and they will come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. to stoke the flame of joy we wait for the eternal and all encompassing joy we can work we can partner we can simply respond to jesus wherever we find ourselves we can make our why because of jesus and we know that our because of jesus why has staying power and has true motivation is because we know one day those who walk in the light Those who say yes to Jesus, those who are baptized into him and raised to new life, who who have the Holy Spirit and respond to God in the everyday things of life, will receive eternal joy, gladness, where sadness and sighing will flee, where sorrow will be no more. To stoke the flame of joy that God has placed in our soul. We wait for the eternal and all-encompassing joy. We move with that in mind. The anticipated servant that Isaiah talks about. I've already alluded to it and tipped my hand. Is Jesus. It's why when Jesus was being born. The angels showed up to some shepherds. Who are of low class, who are considered nobodies, who are in the fields, and these angels show up to proclaim. They said this, don't be afraid, for I look to proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is Messiah the Lord. See so the angel? showed up and one said, the Savior, the servant who gives his life for you to receive eternal joy has shown up on this earth. And so Advent, this series, this time of looking back and looking forward, these lighting of the candles remind us that light has come into the world through Jesus. So as we we reflect and we see a flame, we know that we have access to that flame to take a a, a light in our soul. May we be people who stoke that, who, who make it grow, who recognize that as we simply respond to Jesus, as our why is because of Jesus, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, No matter the times that it may feel like we're in a mud fight with a knife. or We just need to stay in our lane or we're on a ridge where just one wrong step in the bottom can fall out. That God sent a deliverer named Jesus. And we can look towards that final deliverance. Because of God's past action in Jesus, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we can choose to stoke the flame of joy. And as we work and as we wait, we may wonder, is following Jesus one big motivational slogan that constantly says, turn that frown upside down? We may wonder, is it all put on that smile, slap that smile on my face and fake it till you make it? But see, joy does not conflict with sorrow or sadness. A few years back, Pixar released an incredible movie called Inside Out. And it's the story of a young girl coping with a major life change. And to help people, uh, to help tell this story, there are five emotions portrayed anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and joy. And these emotions are personified. And for much of the girl's life, memories are colored with one single emotion. Each emotion is a single color. So when something bad happens or she is angry and remembers that memory, the emotion was colored red. And we learn not through her directly, but through personified joy that some of the most powerful memories are not colored by a single emotion, but by multiple. Unsurprisingly, the two emotions pitted against each other throughout the movie are sadness and joy. And then what this movie attempts to describe is, I think what's true of the biblical story, of the biblical hope and love and peace that we have access to in Jesus, that sadness and joy aren't enemies. You know this from personal experience. A child graduates, joy and accomplishment mix with sadness. A death of a Christian loved one You know that their pain is no more, but you're sad because they're no longer here. Your experience tells you that sadness and joy aren't quite opposites, even though much of the world wants us to believe that. Forget about sadness and forget about sorrow and just be happy. Do whatever you can to just be happy. Eliminate the things that bring sadness to your life. But what's amazing about the biblical story, what's amazing about the suffering servant Savior named Jesus is that in our sorrow, in our grief, in our sadness, He doesn't seek to replace our sorrow with happiness. He seeks to enter into it. To say, I give up my life for you. I will enter into your pain. I will be present with you. To stoke the flame of joy in the midst of sorrow. To help us choose joy in the midst of pain. Not that we're joyful for our pain, but it's the perspective that he brings. That this moment is temporary. That there comes a day when this pain, when this sorrow and this suffering will be no more. And he enters into it to bring us a little flame of joy so that one day we can experience the all-consuming joy, the never-ending joy of his presence that not just overtakes our lives, but overtakes the world and brings wholeness and restoration once again. And he's a good gift giver and gives us little moments of joy, Little flames to burn in the midst of pain, of sorrowing and suffering. Little moments of sweet when you eat a good food. When you taste a good drink. When your child does something sweet. Those are temporary tastes of that future full reality. See, Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope. And the power of Jesus' own life and love in the midst of our pain. Christian joy, biblical joy is a profound decision. It's an attitude. It's a disposition that recognizes what Jesus has done and how he has entered into our life. How he has entered into the world. And choosing to be reframed by that perspective. To be fueled by that power of Jesus of his own life and love. See, joy does not go to your favorite Christmas tune. Joy goes beyond that nice little beat. Joy goes beyond temporary perspective. Joy keeps you warm when the outside world seems so cold. And it's with that that we can be remembered and reminded that the warmth of Jesus can warm our weary soul precisely when we need it. And Isaiah talked about that suffering servant, that one day he would come. And we look forward, and we look back to his first coming and forward to his second. See, the servant provided a word for the weary. And we can give thanks We can have joy because he gives us exactly and precisely what we need when we need it. Let's pray. God, you are good. I thank you that you are a good gift giver and you give us joy. God, I thank you for your provision, for your access that we have to you. I pray that as we consider working and waiting, being in step with you, that we stoke that flame of joy, that that flame just grows and we be consumed by the joy that only comes from you. Give us that. Thank you that you do give us that joy.